Dr. Roy Elrod, uh, and I'm a physician at the Detroit Medical Center. And I actually work primarily in the emergency department at Detroit Receiving Hospital. Um, also, uh, chief of staff at the Detroit uh, Receiving Hospital, and also uh, one of the uh, medical directors down in the emergency department. It's been something that I've been doing for a while. Uh, I've been down at Detroit Medical Center, particularly at Detroit Receiving, for over 30 years. It's been a lifelong, both a dream, and it's been a pleasure to be able to provide and care for our community. It's been, it's been good. I grew up in a family of 12 and uh, really growing up, my mom was really the physician of the house. And, uh, you know, back in those days, uh, there was a few vaccinations, really like smallpox, polio, but otherwise you, you caught all the diseases. There was no ch uh, chickenpox vaccine, measles. I mean, you, you just got all those. So really there was limited exposure to doctors. Uh, and so growing up, it wasn't almost until I was in college that I began to understand that, you know, there's really a whole different world out there for healthcare. And uh, my roommate happened to be a pre-med student and uh, we began to talk and I just began to understand that I really had kind of a, a fascination and really a liking to that type of science, health science. And so from that, uh, I took a path I almost halfway through college to start pursuing medicine. And uh, when I did, I, I found out it was something that was, it was challenging, but it was, it was very rewarding. And uh, clearly once I finished, although I initially thought I would do mostly primary care I was asked actually by one of the physicians because I did a rotation. At, at, when you're training, you do rotations through everything. And so when I went through the emergency department, uh, it was a different, saw a lot of different things. And I found out that I kind of liked all of them. And uh, the actual uh, director that was there when I was finishing said, hey, would you like to work here? And so I thought maybe I would work there a year or so until I got my feet wet and leave. Uh, but it seemed to, to kind of hold me in place. And so uh, here I am over 30 something years later, still there and train, helping train some of the students, medical students and some of the residents. So it's been, been quite, quite the, uh, the career. And uh, so I've been there ever since. And uh, what happened is the longer I was there, there was different challenges and I was offered different roles and uh, then I became vice chief of staff and like for two terms. And then from there, I became chief of staff and going on the third term. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been good. It's mustache November, Movember, shining some light on men's health. And I know sometimes we don't like to go to the hospital. And sometimes men say, oh, it's not that bad. It, it, it doesn't even hurt. It's just a little sting. And a little sting turns out to be way more. The CD says, CDC says that the top two um, causes of death in men are heart disease and cancer. It seems like some of this could be 
prevented in men or in general, but specifically for men, heart disease and cancer, when should men begin getting screened for heart disease or getting checked for cancers? So first of all, I think uh, the information you have is correct. Those two have been for a while, for, for a good while, uh, the two leading cause for, for uh, mortality or death in, in men. And, uh, and that's across uh, all sections. But um, it's important, I think, to understand that, you know, we, we start out, for the most part, fairly healthy. But as we live our life and we live in different areas, we have uh, different uh, environments that we live in, we slowly, over a period of time, either through uh, social interaction, either through uh, diet, either through where we live, uh, we slowly begin to impact that health. And it's not always, you know, in a, in a positive way. And so what the uh, prevailing thought is that we should begin doing, I'd say, screening, if you will, at about the age of about 20. So as an adult, you should begin, yes, to start screening for heart disease. And, and it's as simple as blood pressure, measuring your blood sugar, because as again, as we age, those are the things that if we don't pay attention to can easily uh, cause, have an impact on our heart and, and then can cause heart disease checking cholesterol because it's a progressive buildup before, because the disease process can begin to start, but it's significant impact is probably 15 or 20 years later. So 20 blood pressure starts getting out of control, sugar out of control, cholesterol out of control, a buildup of that over 10 or 15 years, what happens? The heart attacks at about 35, 40. And, and so that's what we begin to see. And so your question is great, but, but think about it. If you can't get a 40 year old to go see a doctor, try getting a young, healthy, robust, almost feels like they're, you know, will never die 20 year old. Exactly. That's what I was thinking when you said 20 is that at 20, you feel like you're invincible. So why do I need to get screened or, or, or start looking at my blood sugar. Yeah, and so that's, that's generally what the, the challenge is. And so, uh, you know, I, and, I, and I always appreciate our opportunities to discuss this with community. Uh, but some of the elderly patients have maybe historically has a distrust for medicine. So you can't always get them to come in. And again, like you say, younger ones feel invincible. They don't believe they need to come in, and 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 some of the illnesses don't don't provide any kind of symptoms to make you go. You can have high blood pressure and don't have any symptom whatsoever. You can have pretty high blood sugar before you maybe go into a coma or something, but no symptoms. Meanwhile, they're having an impact on all your organ systems to where they get you to the heart disease and 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 stroke, uh, and then you know. We don't understand sometimes the role, how cancer gets into our lives, but you know, some people don't know their family history. 
don't know that there could be a, a relationship between their grandma that had breast cancer and then they could have it. And you get cancer at some early ages. You have to learn at some point to take care of yourself, to be involved with that. And, you know, science doesn't have it exactly right all the time, but they can give you guidelines to help you construct the way you want to try and live the best of your life. You mentioned cholesterol, sugar, blood pressure, and people checking that. Would someone need to go to the doctor, as in your annual checkup to check your cholesterol or your sugar or your blood pressure? Or is there something that you can do maybe once a month or every few months on your own to be proactive in your health individually or independently from going to the doctor? Well, it's interesting you would actually ask that question. There was actually a research project done to look at how you could help patients with blood pressure. One of the things they actually did, they gave them blood pressure cuffs, had them go home and begin to check their own blood pressure. First of all, some would do it maybe once every day, once a week. And what they began to understand is that they could actually regulate their own pressure. That was reinforcement to the patients. And so in the study, ones that were checking their pressure regularly began to bring theirs under control because it wasn't difficult. It wasn't that difficult. And they found out that they could actually do it. It reinforced them taking their medication. And so what you're saying is something that you can do. Where can people learn before we get to the stage of being diet, being diabetic or before there's a problem? For the average person, this can seem don't seem like a daunting task. It can be very intimidating. I don't know how to use a blood pressure cuff. I don't know how to check my sugar. So, uh, you know, I always tell people that most hospitals have a uh, communication line that once you call them, you basically got to say what you're interested in. And then they're, they're able to direct you to their hospital resource line so you can get that information. Uh, also, uh, many churches are associated with uh, hospitals and they can try and direct you. So in the community, we try to have links for communication where patients can find things. Uh, but the 800-2500 number for DMC is a communication line you can call and just ask, what, 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 who can I speak to regarding uh, my blood pressure? And many times I think what they do is try and connect you with maybe a primary care person, a physician, because I'll tell you, understanding just blood pressure will not be the end of what you want to understand. You're going to have other questions. And so one visit to a physician can reveal a lot of things that I think can help patients. And, and, and I'm always geared towards seeing how we can get that first one visit. And once they find out that it's not as scary as they think, that, uh, that there's people concerned about their welfare, concerned about their emotional, physical, mental, and, and stress, and that some of them have the same thing, that same feeling in common, I think it begins to build a bond of trust that they feel that it's worthwhile going back to see the doctors. What are basic preventative measures that men can take to improve their health? 
So and, and, uh, we, were, we were designed to move. So exercise and, and being active is very good. And, and when you talk to even elderly people, one of the things that they, the common thing that they always will tell you, every day I get up and do something, I move. One person dancing, one person walking. And so that activity is very important. So from young age all the way through, activity is important. And then uh, a, a sensible diet. I mean, we know the things that impact our health. You know, too much of anything is just too much. And so salts, uh, sugars, those things that can have an impact on us. So uh, your diet's important. And uh, having uh, that kind of uh, salads and roughage that help you, your body do what it needs to do on a regular basis is, is important. So diet and exercise, because you got to eat every day. So pay attention to that. And then your daily, some daily movement and exercise. We always talk about, I think, 10,000 steps. You can do it. It's, 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 it's relatively simple to do. And now these days you can have watches or some tidbits that can tell you. And if you can't do 10,000, we'll do 5,000, just whatever you can do. But that that's important. Uh, and your mental health is important. I, you know, stress, you got to find some way to, to find a, a calm place where you can just, you know, and it's not always possible, it seems like, where you can get away just for yourself. Because if you aren't healthy, no matter what you're trying to do, work, take care of people, you won't be at your best. And uh, and I'd say getting some rest is, is, is important. So I'm keeping it as basic as I can to, 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 to maintain good health. Diet, exercise, and rest. You know, those kind of are the big three. If you can put those three together, you can leave a pretty healthy life. Uh, but going to a doctor to make sure they're checking uh, cholesterol, blood pressure, sugar is going to be critical because we never know. Uh, diabetes, uh, for some people, they won't be able to control it because it's, it's something that's innate with one of their organs. You know, we talk about a type 1 diabetic. There's almost nothing that they can do. But they need to know about it so they can take care of it. What can we do as a community to support men and in improving and maintaining their health? I, I really think that that's such an important and excellent question. Um, it seems somehow men in our development, I guess, we do seem to have not that same close, always supported bonding that we support each other. I think we do it in families we come together for a sporting activity, <laughs> but not as much uh, for maintaining health. And, and the reason why I understand that is because certain individuals, like I say, once they have something, then they begin to group together as opposed to grouping together to support one another before it all happens. And so uh, there are some uh, online men resources and they'll tell you they struggle. I think we've always tried to develop something for men, and uh, it, it, it's, it is challenging because I think men, for whatever reason, doesn't want to feel vulnerable to the fact that they need to really, you know, have some help in caring for themselves. And uh, 
that vulnerability can, I think, get us in trouble because you ignore signs and symptoms of something and uh, it becomes something very serious. Dr. Elrod, thank you so much for taking time out of your extremely busy day to spend time on Live with C-Sharp and to discuss men's health and how men, as well as the community, can help men to improve their health. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.